Hey everyone, my chat today is with a talented singer-songwriter that was born in East Texas and calls the city of Kilgore home. She has served our country proudly and is a veteran of the United States Army, and you can find her play and her music all over the great state of Texas and across the country. Stay with me. We will take that Highway 20 ride into the city of Kilgore and chat with Jen Ford when we come back. This is Backstage Pass Radio, the podcast that's designed for the music junkie with a thirst for musical knowledge. Hi, this is Adam Gordon, and I want to thank you all for joining us today. Make sure you like, subscribe, and turn alerts on for this and all upcoming podcasts. And now, here's your host of Backstage Pass Radio, Randy Halsey. Jen Ford, welcome to the show. Hi, how are you? I'm good. We finally get to chat. We've been, I guess, going back and forth and back and forth over text for some time now, but uh, the big day has finally come. So it's nice to see you, and uh, thanks for taking the time to chat with me today. Thanks for having me. I'm happy to be here. Yes. Getting ready for holidays. Yeah, you were telling me before we started recording about the boys that you have to feed and... Boy, that's an undertaking, right? But <laughs> when you have big boys, they they tend to eat a lot. So good good luck on yeah. Thanksgiving Day with with those guys, right? <laughs> well, we kind of are already. We're going to do it early because uh, my youngest son is in the playoffs, and we're real excited about that. And they have a walkthrough on Thursday, so I don't even know if we're going to be able to sit down and have a meal. I mean, we'll, we'll eat something, but I don't know if it's going to even be worth it for me to cook that day. I think I'm just going to my mother-in-law's and eat her food. Well, I was going to say, with boys that size that you were telling me, you, you're going to have to feed them something because I don't think <laughs> nothing is going to suffice, right? So that's just an yeah, educated we'll, guess on my part. We'll get them fed. There you go. Now, you were born and raised in East Texas, and what was that Kilgore, or were you actually born somewhere else and then moved to Kilgore? I actually, my dad was a Marine, and I'm the oldest of four, and I was born in Jacksonville, North Carolina. Okay. And they're from Texas. My parents are both from, from Pasadena, Texas. Oh, wow. And their grandparents are from North Texas and East Texas. So we came back to Texas when I was just a baby. I was less than a year old. Okay. And then we moved up to East Texas when I was about seven, I think. So I grew up here, basically. For the most part. Yeah. Yeah. Interesting. Well, uh, so I grew up in Pasadena myself, and I graduated from high school in in the Pasadena school district. Even though I didn't go to Pasadena High School, I went to another high school in that district, which I think at the time there were only four four high schools in the Pasadena. Yeah. Okay. So I I went to South Houston. So, uh, yeah, there you go. Well, small world. So they were high Sweethearts have been married for almost 45 years. Wow. And and still going strong, right? Yes. Still wow. ornery. Still. <laughs> she puts up with him, I'm sure, right? They're, oh, man. They're two hard hits. One house. Uh, usually one offsets the other. In my case here, like, Terry's the level-headed one and offsets my ways, right? So... She has to no, put up with me. They're both hard-headed. <laughs> In that case, they're both, oh, yeah, well, that's, that. well, that's, that's a testament. Two hard-headed, two alphas, like, living in the same house. That can be kind of devastating sometimes, but they, they found a way to make it work, apparently. Yes. Yes. So what, what kept you busy 
as a kid growing up, small town Texas, like what, what were you doing as a kid? Well, I'm the oldest of four. And so I did a lot of babysitting, but um, grew up in church. I've always been musical. I've always been an entertainer. I've always wanted to be in front of people. I used to make skits and create whole things for birthday parties. We had a piano in the dining room, and I was always getting in trouble for playing it for hours on end. And uh, when I got older, they actually put me in piano lessons and in high school band, high school choir. So I've always been trying to be on stage somewhere. That's really cool. That's that's cool. It just sounds like what, you know, if if you ask me the same question, I was kind of like that too. Like I grew up with, uh, it seemed like every kid on my street was female. And so I grew up with, my brother and I grew up with nothing but females. And it seemed like there were three or four of those girls that were singers also. And we would always, when the parents would get together, we would always create these singing groups. But for some reason, they never let me be the lead singer. I always had to be the backup singer. So... I think I was slighted there. Yeah, I know. Y'all were like, yeah, I was dominated by the girls. But anyway, it all worked out. Real (laughs) boss. You said it, not me. I wasn't going to go there. But uh, anyway, so Tracy and Kim, if you're listening to this show, you guys were bossy and Jen said so. So there we go. We finally debunked. That's our job. Yes, that's correct. Corralling the boys because y'all are usually climbing trees and trying to bring home frogs and we want you to be players in our in our grand production that's right that's right y'all are trying to be stars of tomorrow right yeah now did you join the service right out of high school was it after graduation that you went into the service no i went to college at panola college on a vocal music scholarship for two years and really had always wanted to travel and I've always done what my parents wanted me to do. And my dad was sick and, and has been sick since I was in middle school. And so like, I, I was kind of like a people pleaser and I wanted to make everybody happy. Sure. But on the inside, there was a wild child that wanted to travel and explore and get out of small town yeah. in East Texas and go do things. And so kind of on a whim... I mean, I, I guess I'd always thought about it, but, you know, back in the 90s, it wasn't a typical thing for, for women to just go sign up. And I didn't want anybody to tell me what to do anymore, so I joined the Army. Really, they tell you what to do all the time. say, you went to the wrong place to not be told what to do, right? Yeah. Well, I just wanted financial independence. Yes. I wanted the op- opportunities to go and see and do stuff and... I accomplished all of that in the military and was even able to get back into music in the military. So I'm very proud of my service. I met my kid's dad in the service, and we traveled all over the place. So I got what I wanted, and then I came back to East Texas. There you go. First and foremost, thank you for your service. And I guess the encouragement really behind the service is it safe to say it was the travel portion? Is that why you joined, so you could kind of see the world on – they're done. Travel, discipline, structure, confidence, all of those things. Sure. Um, because it's it's not just about being a soldier. There's there's things that you learn about yourself when under pressure. And I sure. think you get to see what your limits are and how far you can push yourself. And so there's to a certain degree I feel like that I can accomplish anything because in the military you have to dig a moat around this 
2,000 square foot structure. Here's a, here's a straw and a spoon. Make it happen. Yeah. <laughs> right. And you're like, okay, I got it. Don't even get a shovel, right? <laughs> yeah. But you, you figure it out and you figure out how to work with other people from all. Absolutely. It's, it all applies to um, everyday yeah. things that you have to do no matter what. Yeah. So I really enjoyed my time. There were some negative parts, but I think that's with anything. And I am proud of my military service. That's awesome. Well, I played golf this past week with a customer of mine that I found out on the golf course. He was a, a Marine. And one of the other guys had asked him something about being a Marine. He said, well, I usually don't talk much about it. if somebody asks, then I'll talk about it. But they were, I guess they were asking him how it was being, you know, active duty, uh, a Marine. And he said, well, they know how to make things suck quite a bit. You know, it's just like, it, like you said, it, they kind of tear you down, build you up. And you learn a lot about yourself during those times, what you're capable of, what you're not capable of. And when you find the things that you're not capable of, you figure out how to be capable of doing those things. You learn a lot about uh, values too and like what it takes to basically be a good person and, and to trust other people to be good people. Because you learn a lot about people, period. And and having to work with different personalities, I, I really can't say that enough. And I think that once you get out of the military and you meet somebody who has served, there's a certain degree of respect, kind of like a fraternity or you know, um, maybe like the the Elks Lodge or something like sure. that. You, you just kind of shake your head like you did it. You get yes. where we have things in common immediately that are different than the average person, especially as a woman. Yeah, um, a lot of people don't expect that. I mean, I talk openly about it, but they they don't expect that when I walk into somewhere that I'm a vet and right sort of get marginalized a little bit. Like, oh, that's just a girl. First yeah. of all, that's right anyway but i'm like dude i've lived in the woods way more than you <laughs> that's <laughs> pretty a whole bunch of weapons that's blown the, up a whole bunch of stuff absolutely that's pretty amazing and i had a uh interview with deanna wheeler and she's you know a vet as well and has a lot of stories about the military you said that you did come from a military family your dad was a marine now was mom was she a service person or was she no. never she she wasn't. Um, what about siblings? Were they? Uh, and, my brother actually uh, served in the army and National Guard, and he was in Afghanistan as a combat medic. Okay. My primary job in the military was military police. Okay. Um, but once people figured out that I could sing, then I got picked up for special duty with army bands in the army entertainment division for about six years. So, so eleven years total. 11, okay, so 11 years active. Well, talk, tell the listeners a little bit, and, and myself included, I'm not a service person. Uh, I don't play one on TV. I don't know. I'm, and of course, I know what I hear or what you see on TV, but tell us about that role. What is the military police? What was your role as a military police? Um, well, my first duty station was Korea, and I was just a, you know, a private or whatever. So I was like a gunner, and um, that's the low man on the totem pole where you sit in the tour in a Humvee, and you you have two different types of duties, basically. If you have a field duty, like something you would do in combat, a combat role, and then you have a garrison duty, 
and garrison is more like just normal police work on post. Okay. So you have patrol cars and stuff like that and carry a pistol and you do arrests and you do cases and all that stuff. But as a combat in a combat mission or a combat mode, because they have training schedules that kind of rotate out where you're always training on, on both of those things. I was a gunner and then you move up to different positions, uh, eventually become a team leader and a driver, all that stuff. And you're, it's just, as you learn more about land navigation and route recon and just how to lead, then your responsibilities increase. By the time I got out, I was a squad leader and assistant platoon sergeant for a few months while my, while my platoon sergeant was uh, training somewhere else. So basically you're, working hand in hand in, in this echelon of a organization and you work your way up and I worked my way up to a staff sergeant E6. But where does the military police stop and local law enforcement begins, right? What is the delineation? Jurisdictions. Yeah. Or delineation between like usually, who can do what or whatever. Usually, Primary jurisdiction on post is military police. There are situations where you share jurisdiction. Like when I was stationed at Fort Bliss, I worked range patrol, which isn't the same as being on a gun range. I was on McGregor range and I was out there driving up and down all the paths, you know, checking routes and stuff because there was a lot of uh, border crossings that were going on. So we're just keeping an eye on that. But there were shared parts of the highway where there weren't enough people to be out there all the time. So either I would be out there or another officer, like a state, maybe a state police okay. or, you know, a local police officer yes. or sheriff's department would go out there. So okay. it just depends. And I guess maybe because the highways are shared okay, uh, to some of these routes where they go kind of in between. Like, okay. That makes sense. You know, regular off posts. And yes. Whatever, so. But generally speaking, do the MPs, are you only, You're only on concerned post. for military things going on, or is typically, it civilian yes. things as well? Typically, yes, okay. unless you're doing stuff in a wartime mission. I got gotcha. you. Or you're doing convoys, or that, that makes sense. Uh, you're moving personnel. It just depends. Okay. But typically, our focus is military. Okay. Our jurisdiction is there. Well, thanks for clarifying that. That helps me because I, I never really knew. And, of course, not being a service person, of course, you don't really know the details of that. So, again, thank you for sharing. But you also mentioned that you toured with the United States Army Soldier Show. What is that and how are you involved in that? Okay, well, actually, a few years ago, they disbanded it. But back during, I guess, World War II or right after, Irving Berlin started soldier show similar to uso tours and stuff like that and they would take soldiers and put on like a big production and go around and entertain okay so by the time in 2001 when i was in the show you go through an audition process where basically you would send in a video of yourself performing introducing yourself and send all your military records in so they can make sure that your conduct matches up and then they would bring you in and audition you with like 30 or 40 other soldiers and then pick the top how many ever. So I got selected and then you go through a two month time where they put together a show from the bottom up based on everybody's talents. And they take like a 
Billboard Top 40 songs and, and then created an 80 minute show. Okay. And we learned all about setup, how to set up lights, how Very to set cool. up sound. And we were the tech crew as well as the, the performers. And we went on the road for six months. And so we traveled on a tour bus, we stayed in hotels, we did matinees, sometimes two shows a day. But typically we would do like two or three shows at each duty station. I think it was like 50 different locations, over 106 shows or something like that over a six-month period. Well, you were like a rock star as a enlisted service person, right? I mean, it was a lot of fun. Yeah, I bet. <laughs> I got to go to Guam, uh, Hawaii, Korea, which I'd already been stationed in Korea as an MP, basically every duty station in the continental U.S., wow. And performing in front of audiences, like thousands of people every night. That so. is super cool. Well, my, my mom had worked for a government contractor for a while that made tactical army vehicles. And they had been awarded a big contract. And there was a big army show up in Washington, D.C. And, and she went for that annual show. And she took my dad and I. And the hotel that we were in we heard all this commotion and we came out of the room and we later found out, of course we sat and watched them, but it was the 82nd airborne choir that was singing in the lobby. I think they're also probably referred to as maybe the Fort Bragg singers. I don't know. they, They might go by different names, but these guys were phenomenal. Like the singers, it was all acapella and it was the most cool thing ever it, and it was such a proud feeling because everything that they were singing about was you know ballad of the green beret and things of that nature right and it was just so cool um, especially a civilian listening to this so it it was kind of a window into their 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 world you know jumping from the plane while in flight you know and that that kind of thing 82nd airborne and whatnot but that was really cool. Were you familiar with who I'm talking about? Yes. Um, the good thing about music and the military is there's a long history of it being a morale booster. Okay. And I think it's it's just sh- goes to show that music is a universal language and that it's necessary and it's healing. And um, Absolutely. 82nd, I think, is generally all male, of course, but uh, I was in the U.S. Army's Europe soldiers band and chorus okay. over in, in Heidelberg, Germany. And I was also in the 62nd Army Band at Fort Bliss. It's named something different now, but they most of the musicians in the Army bands have at least a bachelor's, if not a master's degree, and they're highly educated. And they come in at a higher rank because of their college education. And I didn't have the identifier because at the time they didn't have a vocal identifier. It was just special duty. But I would say that my time with military bands was like the time where I truly learned what it was like to be in a professional group Okay, because of the amount of practice, the, the high profile gigs that we played at. We played at the NFL world bowl in 2007 in front of 40,000 people. Sure. And we were constantly in front of dignitaries. We always had to wear our uniforms and always had to look, you know, the part. We still had to do all of our training and all of our physical fitness and all of that and be on our best behavior. But it's basically we're like the mouthpiece for the military, you know, the best of the best. No pressure, right? (laughs) Yeah. Well, I mean, and you have to represent. Absolutely. And sort of like we're ambassadors for the military, too. 
to all of these different countries that we played in and all of these different people. And it was, it was a great joy to do it. And the people that I was in those groups with, I'm still friends with like on social media, we're like family because you spend so much time together in rehearsals yes. and on the road. And my kids, dad, we were actually in the soldier show together. We were married for two years and he's a musician as well. So my kids were kind of, I born into music because of the opportunities that the military gave to me. I was able to have my children when I was in serving in that way because sure. at the time, September 11th had just happened, and I was already in the Army entertainment portion, so they just kind of kept me there, basically. Okay. And I know that if I had been serving with my veteran brothers and sisters that were MPs, I would have been overseas constantly and probably not have gotten married, probably not having kids right. that were, that are this age now because it just, the, what the job demands It's very hard to raise a family when you're being deployed all the time. Absolutely. I did deploy once and that was through the army entertainment stuff. So it, it's, I didn't get to serve as a military police officer. I served as an entertainer. Okay. Now I, when I think of you, I, I think of a vocalist, of course, a guitar player, maybe. But in the in the 62nd Army Band, what were you playing in the band? Was it a vocalist or were you actually a, an instrumentalist? Okay. All right. But because I read music, they taught me how to play auxiliary percussion. So I learned how to play bass drum, cymbals, you know small things on the snare and maybe like a little bit on, on the xylophone or whatever. But I, I joke about that with my oldest son because I was pregnant with him while I was playing the bass drum all through the spring and I had my belly resting up against the bass drum and he's a drummer. He came out. He like he had the beat already, drum. right? <laughs> yeah. His <laughs> dad's default. a drummer. He's a drummer. And, and it's like in his blood, in his brain, he was hearing those beats way before I he bet. came out. <laughs> I don't think it came out this way, but I didn't mean that you were a vocalist like that's not an instrument because the voice is an instrument for sure. You you know that. I know that as well. I just wasn't educated to know if you were actually playing something in the band other than a vocal part. And, and it sounds like that that was Usually the case. They, they want you to play an instrument. Okay. Usually. And especially if they know that you have a, a past in reading music, they want to keep you working. They don't just want you sitting around like getting up. It's a job. I played oboe in high school for seven years, and they kept trying to get me to play that double reed instrument, but I just really wasn't that interested in it. I think I played it a few times. but And I halfway play guitar, and I halfway play piano. Like, I understand it, and I can pick out chords. But to be clear... <laughs> for the record. <laughs> for the record, the only instrument I play on stage is the tambourine, and I'm super proud of that. There you go. It's funny. I had, a, I had an interview recently with a guy named Tony Hazelden and he is a powerhouse songwriter uh, or was a powerhouse songwriter in Nashville for 30 years. He plays with a band called LaRue out of Louisiana and he wrote hit songs for Keith Whitley and Shania Twain and George Strait and the list kind of goes on and on and on. But he mentioned in his interview that he played the oboe in the high school band, and he said, "How uncool is that to be the oboe player?" I know. The band? I didn't choose that. Okay. I, for the record, I did 
not choose that instrument. My mother, and I'm the oldest of four kids, so, you know, put it together, knew that I wanted to be in band and, and knew that that instrument was provided by the school. Yeah. And she was like, you'll be the only one. And I was like, yeah, that's cool. That's great. Like, like, it's going to be great. Yeah. And, I mean, it was kind of an honor to get to play it because you got selected and I was good at it, but... I, I wanted to play. I wanted to play the drum. Right. I really didn't want to play the drum. <laughs> well, I asked Tony. I said, "So, did you piss somebody off, or did you just draw the, draw the short straw, and that's how you got stuck with the oboe, or what's the deal?" But it was it was kind of a little funny segment that we did. So, when you said the oboe, my my mind immediately went to my interview with Tony Hazelden. Um, you had also mentioned disbanding the the group. It's my understanding that the band, I think it was also known as the, wasn't it known as the military intelligence core band or something like that. But I, I think that they referred to it as that, but I, I think it was 2018 that it actually disbanded is the year. Yeah, I think the army entertainment division, um, they moved originally. They were at Fort Belvoir when I was in, when I was in, in 2001 and then they moved to San Antonio and, Whoever got into, I guess, the budgeting department or whatever didn't seem like that there was a need for the Army Entertainment Division. So when they start doing military cutbacks, they're going to start cutting the fun stuff out. Absolutely. And so that unfortunately happened. I mean, it's not – that's a multi-million dollar production. Oh, yeah. To hold on, you know, to do that for several months. Absolutely. And I think it's a campaign of goodwill – for all the military communities and it's entertainment and, and it, I don't know, it just goes to show that there's a different side to being a soldier. So hopefully yes. they'll bring it back. They have changed the army bands where now they do have vocalists as a secondary MOS, which is a job that you can add after sure. you get your primary job. And so you have to earn that. And I think you have to go to the school of music for that. Okay. I think that that may be the compromise is that they've got probably better singers now. Okay. And and the group that I was in Europe is still there. It's highly celebrated over there. I follow you. Most fun I ever had in my life was in the one in Europe. Four years, we were just constantly at festivals and in front of huge audiences. The German and European audiences are super appreciative. Yes. It's a lot of fun. And when you have the army behind your production, it's like instant marketing. So I didn't have to do all of the hard work and logistical work that I have to do now as yes. a, as a dependent artist. Absolutely. So I took all that for granted. Yes. Well, I have a buddy that he's, he's a local Texan here, but he somehow made a journey over to France, not to, it was before COVID but developed a huge following in France, in, in out of Proasart, France, and and he's talked about that about the crowds there. They're just so appreciative of the music and very attentive to what you're doing. You know, here in the states, it can be, as you probably know, it can be hit or miss. Like who's paying attention, who's not paying attention. Most everybody is, but you know, it's they it, get it, excited. They, I mean, yes. thousands. Literally, I, I keep saying that because you would just see a sea of people and they would just be having a good time Absolutely. They didn't at paying for the artists. Like 
I, I sang on the outside too on my own when I didn't have uh, shows with, with service. I went and had my own little groups or whatever that I performed. Okay. It was not hard to, to find a place to play and the places would just be packed. They love live music in Europe. Yes. They love it over there. If you want a tour and you can't get something set up in the States, go to Europe. And hopefully that'll be, you know, in the works for me in the next two or three years as my son moves out of the house and we don't have to stay here all the time. Right. Well, just think of how much money you're going to have when he moves out, though, from the from the food bill perspective. <laughs> we won't get back into that again. He's going to be calling me from college. Right. <laughs> yeah. It's, it it never stops. Yes, it never stops. So from a chronological perspective, set me right here. Was college for you before you went into the service or after you got out? I went to college a whole bunch of times. Okay. Well, uh, so let me look. I graduated officially with my bachelor's degree in 2017. Okay. But I went to college a bunch of times for a lot of different things. We all did. (laughs) We all did, in all fairness. Where I was going with that was not to put you on the spot about college in particular, but you were a vocal music major. And I was going to ask you... If you talk to the listeners about, as a vocal music major, like, what were you looking to do with that? I, I'm assuming be a performer, but talk to the listeners about your background in music prior to going in college. Like, were you in bands, local bands? Were you not? Were you just honing your voice or whatever skills no, at home like school choir I okay was in acapella, but like the high level choir sure acapella choir and i was in church choir as well and high school band so i had that every day i was performing constantly with that i competed in in high school and in college and won awards in college like the uil type competitions yes. or whatever sure okay yes all region you know, all of that stuff. I did all of that solo and ensemble, all that, all of those. But to be honest, I don't think that my parents expected me to pursue it. And so when I got a scholarship for music, they wanted me to have a real job. Yeah. (laughs) And so they suggested that I try nursing and, I had no interest in that at all. So I think that was part of the reason why I was like ready to get out of East Texas because I I was not happy with that career program. path. Yeah. Okay. Yeah, I was I was taking music theory and all of all of those things and performing in multiple groups in college and trying to tackle the desires of my parents, which I think is is pretty a universal theme for musicians is that people really don't understand musicians and why and how they make money and why and how they pursue it. And it's, it hasn't been until recently in the, probably the last five years that I feel like that my parents have finally gotten it and they, yeah. and they watch and see how hard I work and they see how hard it's been paid off. Sure. And my husband is a great credit to that because I even struggled when I got out of the military with trying to get into a careers. I tried several different careers and all of those things apply to what I do now. And I still work. I still have a job, um, several jobs, several hustles, several things, but it all is to feed the machine of music. Absolutely. That's my passion. And that's what I hope 
will eventually all pay off to where I'm only doing that full time. But I think no matter what profession you're in, you got to have several different things going. Absolutely. Because anything can happen. And, and fortunately, I was working for the school district when COVID happened and everything shut down and my husband got laid off, but I still had a job. Yes. So I was able to still buy groceries for these big honking football players I got at my house. <laughs> and then my husband's a big man as well. And he came home from the oil field and we were waiting on his unemployment and everything to kick in. We'd never navigated unemployment. He'd never been unemployed ever. And so fortunately I had a job. Yes. So I guess I say all that to say this is that it's been a roundabout way for me to pursue it. And I think at the beginning of my, I've been with my husband for seven years. At the beginning of my relationship was when I was finally like, I'm going to do this. Yeah. I'm going to sacrifice and work around whatever I have to do to be a musician because this is my identity and I'm not ashamed of it and I'm not going to apologize for it anymore. And my kids understand it and, if nobody else understands it, if I never make it, that's fine. But I'm an artist. Yes. That's my happy place. Absolutely. And so once I did that, I broke up with my husband four times. We were just dating. And he was like, no, no, you can do music. And I was like, no, I don't think you can handle it. I don't think you know how bad I want to do this. And he was like, no, I think you should do it. I think you're great. And so we would break up for like two days and get back together. But he has been probably the biggest cheerleader for me and just because he said yes to everything I've my wild hairbrain ideas Mm -hmm. it gave me the confidence to like it gave me it gave me the security to know that it was okay to just be myself absolutely well thank goodness you had the fallback of the school district I mean just think you you guys would have been scratching probably right like he was he was laid off well no I mean but he was laid off and, yes. you know, if you were a full-time musician, you know, during COVID that freaking sucked for, because I know I'm not a full-time musician myself, um, but I have friends that are, and it was rough on them. I mean, where are you playing if everything is shut down? Right. So yeah. that's, that's good that you had, a, you know, you mentioned it earlier, you had multiple hustles and that's good for you because I have multiple hustles too. That's how right. I work. So I have my barber license. I went to barber school like early 20, like 2012, just because I felt like I need to have a trade. I need to know how to do stuff. And and, and I'll have my bachelor's degree in multimedia production. So I do social media management too. I'll bake a pile. I'll rake a yard. I'll dig a hole. I don't care if we had to buy groceries. I I guess I should have asked if there was anything you didn't do because it sounds like you hustled. Like you got all these hustles, right? I'm learning all these hustles about you, which is the great part of the interview. He says I'm a (laughs) guy. The jack of all trades kind of. I feel like that's the army in me coming out saying like if something's got to get done, I need to figure out how to get it done. Well, you have an entrepreneurial mind, and that's that's kind of like me. I work a full-time job, too. I'm in sales for a living uh, with an IT consulting firm. That's how I've always paid my mortgage. Uh, before COVID, I was playing about 130 live shows a year myself, and this podcast takes so much time, and they're like, do you ever sleep? And it's like, it's just not how I'm wired. Like, I've, I can't sit and do nothing, and I'm 
I'm sure as ex-military, your brain has to be wired like that because there was yes. no sitting around in the service like, what are we going to do today? I don't know. Probably just sit around. There was no such thing as that. There was always something to be done, I'm sure. It feels weird when there's idle time. And even though I make myself, like Sunday is our family day where we like don't have any real plans. We, we usually go out to eat on Sunday. And then we lay in the bed and watch Netflix. There you or, go. You know, go to the grocery store or whatever. But there's no real plan, and, and that's because the intensity of the week is just, I mean, today, for instance, I knew that I had to do this with you, but I also have to go to my niece's birthday party, and I need to go shopping, and I, I booked a couple different sessions with background vocals today. I'm planning our trip to Las Vegas, which is coming up. We've got a new set list, a new drummer. And so all of those things are happening simultaneously and I'm planning and I'm multitasking all day long. And just to even take a shower sometimes, it's like, oh God, I gotta, <laughs> I gotta take 20 minutes to take a shower. <laughs> I wrote a song in the shower today. How funny. You're right. <laughs> Well, I'm glad. I'm glad that with my record label, I was like, "Hey, I wrote a song in the shower." He's like, "All right, sounds good." Well, I'm glad. I'm glad. I'm glad that in all of those things that you have on your plate, that you found time for me. So, thank you for that. I was going to ask you what bands and or musicians inspired you growing up to even become a musician. Was that why you got into it, because you were inspired by it, or did it just fall into your lap? Well, I always tell a funny story on stage about my musical upbringing, because I grew up in church, and my mom has been a singer her whole life, and she sang harmonies, and that's where I get that from, and it was just ingrained in me. She was singing to me from the time I was little, but she didn't really let me listen to secular music. However, my dad in the pickup truck always had good stuff like Boston and CCR, Creedence Clearwater Revival, the Beatles, John Denver, uh, Sticks, Chicago, you know, like that's the kind of stuff that I would just, I could not turn off the radio mm-hmm. when I had a minute with it. I could not, stop playing the piano when I was sitting in front of it. My, my grandmother had one of those old, those old organs, beat the B, whatever. B3. B3. Yeah. She had one of those and we would go to her house for the weekend and I would not get off of the organ. I, it just, I was mesmerized yes. by all the tone and my ears. I remember laying in the bed at night and just hearing music constantly, like, whole compositions, chords, structure, everything. So most of the time when I write a song, I will already hear it in my head and just go try to map it out to make sense of it just so I can pass it on to the to you know the guys and I already I already hear it in a wow. form before it's written. Interesting. So I don't know. It, it's a language that I think I caught on to very early and I love my mom and dad a lot and they're super supportive now, but they didn't really support this in the beginning. They, they just thought it was like a talent and, and I didn't perceive myself as pursuing it professionally until I was in the army course and, and the soldiers, the soldiers course and army uh, soldier show, because I just didn't think that I was going to be able to do anything with it. Yeah. 
it wasn't around in East Texas. Nobody was embracing that for me. That was like, oh, that's you're a very good singer. Sure. And I personally apologized. I felt like I or I withheld that as my identity for so long that I felt like I was making apologies when people would say, you know, what's your name? And I'm like, I'm Jennifer. What do you do? And, oh, I, well, I was in the military, and I like to sing. And, and it's, I guess, about seven or eight years ago, I started putting that at the front of my identity and saying, I'm Jen, and I'm a singer. I work at such and such. And, and once I started to do that, I felt like that I began to own yes. my identity and felt more confident in that identity. Yes. It was my coming out. Like, look, I like to sing. Yes. The end. Yep. I, I like music. Get over it. You yeah. Know? I'm going to do it. Well, I was pondering that whole, what you were saying a little bit, because I think my parents were probably a little of the same way. Maybe if you were never a professional musician, maybe it seems so far-fetched, like kind of like a professional sports player. Like, what are the odds, Jennifer, yeah. of, of you being the next Karen Carpenter, right? It's like you have a better chance of winning the lottery, right? It's probably the thought process, I'm guessing. I'm sure I don't know, right? But my I'm mom and dad said like the same thing to me, like, you should cut your hair and, and, you know, get, get a real job kind of thing. Right. And it's like, man, this is, you know, this is what I wanted, or this is what I think I want to do. I think to them, it was like I was living in a fantasy world and, and I guess probably to their defense they're they, you know, they, they aren't far off, like, because the odds of somebody really striking it big, like some of the bands you mentioned, Boston and sticks, you know, is it going to ever happen? Maybe, maybe not. I don't know. But, but you got to try, parents, right? I think that parents honestly need to embrace those dreams just as they would embrace kids that play, you know, little league football and softball. Yep. If they got just as excited about sports as they did about sports, there would be way more people pursuing music and probably we would probably get paid better because we would be taking more seriously. Absolutely. And the reality is, you know, no matter what kind of music I write or how much I hustle, if I don't have a good marketing plan and investors, and if I'm not saving money for all of the things it takes to actually be a musician, it's a whole business. Yes. It takes thousands of dollars to put out a song. You, you can sing, you can sing in your house, you can play football in your front yard. But to actually put it out as a product and run it as a business monetize is so much it. more than that. Yes, absolutely. And that's what I think that people don't understand when they're first getting into it and they get discouraged because there's a line between loving music and understanding that it's a way of life. Absolutely. So, this is a way of life for me. And it's a way of life for my kids and it's a way of life for my husband. He goes to shows with me all the time and helps me sell merch. He calls himself the merch guy. Yep. And he helps me do orders and, and he just puts up with my harebrained ideas because he knows that, <laughs> that he has I to live with bigger, you. And I've got, you know, I'm working with what I got. And Absolutely. And that basically if I look at the mountain ahead of me of all the things I wish I could do, then I would get overwhelmed. But if I look behind me, 
at everything that I've accomplished, especially in the last four or five years, I'm like, wow, if I hadn't even tried, I would not even even known that I was capable of right. doing all of these things. So I just keep taking one tiny step forward. Every that's day. all, that's all you can do. You, you have to just nibble off the, the loaf of bread until the whole loaf is gone. Right. I mean, you, you have to digest it in small pieces. I have no idea how old you are or your age, but do you ever ponder age and how it could be stacked against you in the music business sure. yeah i didn't i didn't know if it was just a randy thing or a, and and I, no. i've never even asked that question before but it something made me think of that and i always feel like even with this podcast like man what if i would have done this 10 years ago or what if i you know i'm always yeah, thinking about that, shit like that you know nobody knows how long they're gonna live no absolutely and and if i sat here and got frustrated i mean i'm i don't care i'm 43 years old um I don't feel 43. I feel like I'm in the prime of my life. Sure. Bonnie Raitt, Tina Turner, John Prine, Willie Nelson, they all played well into their 70s and Oh, 80s. absolutely. Yeah. And I'm, I've am i got 30 or 40 more years of playing music as far yeah. as I'm concerned. And I've, I'm happy with that. Yeah. So I'm going to do whatever I need to do to do that. I but agree. I do, I do think, though, it's easy to, to look at yourself in the mirror as you age and like, oh, my God, you know, I need to color my hair or look at these crow's feet or whatever. But you can't get wrapped up in that. No, you, you can't. Know? And I think a lot of people, though, I think one of the reason I asked that question is not that even at 43, and I promise I wasn't trying to get you to divulge your age. <laughs> that, was not the, that was not why I asked that question. I promise. I do want to encourage people, though. Like, yes. There's people that didn't do anything miraculous until they were later in life. And I feel like right now is the perfect time. To, I have experience, whereas there's other Texas female artists or male artists that come out and they have everything prepared for them. They've got parents that maybe have, you know, invested in the careers. And so they've, they've skyrocketed yes. really quickly. Yes. But I'm writing my own songs and I have, experience to back it up yes you know i've been married and divorced i've got kids i've I've experienced death i've experienced you know depression and anxiety ptsd war all of that stuff and and i'm looking at other people as they're just starting out just now getting married just having kids and i'm like you don't even know absolutely and to go in your life absolutely and i'm i'm in the middle it's funny that you say that i'm in the middle of editing the show with my friend Sandy June, who is a, a fellow artist here out of South Texas. And she is very open about her age. She said, I'm 55 years old and I just, I really just got going in this. And I've played the stage with her and she's a phenomenal singer and she learned the guitar on her own watching YouTube videos. So it's never, I, I'm saying all that to say that. Whether you're 43, 55, 67, it, it, you do what you want to do and be happy doing it and just do it to the best of your ability is the moral of the story, I believe. And I, I truly think that, like, that is the best advice you can give to anybody. You don't know what tomorrow holds. You don't know how much money you're going to have tomorrow. I used to be way better off financially when I was in the service and I had that financial security. I had a home, all sure. of those things. But the stress 
and the amount of work and the amount of time I spent away from my kids, especially toward the end of my career as I was advancing, I was like, I just want to go home. I don't care. And, and, you know, living in small spaces, my husband and I are so ready when our youngest graduates to like get an RV or, or one of those schoolie buses and just like live small and travel big and, and go out and do things because there's so much time that you can chase the, the wheel, you know, get on the mouse wheel, the rat wheel, the rat race, whatever. And, and spend your wheels trying to make money and, and get ahead. And it's really the small things that count. Well, you said it perfect. Yes. And you said it perfectly earlier, like, and, and even Garth Brooks wrote a song called if tomorrow never comes, right? You, you don't know what tomorrow brings. So if you're not doing all of those things that make you happy, whether it's gutting a school bus and renovating it and going on the road like the Partridge family, you know, that's that's what you do. I had an interview with Cindy Alexander out of Big Sur, California, and I asked her specifically on the show, Cindy, define success to you. And her answer was pretty basic, but it it was very impactful. Success is not about money. It's about are you happy doing what you do? I mean, money's a byproduct. Don't yeah. get me wrong, but you don't have to make millions to be successful, right? You can make right. A, a nice chunk of change, but it's who are you touching and, you know, how are you moving people and that type of thing. Sometimes those define your success more so than something monetary. Or- I absolutely agree with that. Success is measured by your happiness and and if you're happy, then who cares? And I think that, you know, a lot of people have watched me from the beginning several years ago and, and followed me even from when they knew me in the military and I wasn't pursuing music. They're still following me and still encouraging me. My old bosses that I quit jobs for, like, man, you're still doing it. And I'm like, yes, yep. I am. And and I'm happy doing it. And you're still sitting behind that desk and that's okay <laughs> too. But, you yeah. know, that that's... yes okay too absolutely i would rather i would rather my kids be well-rounded i would rather them know the value of being honest and the value of seeing small successes and seeing i want them to see me pursue what i love without abandonment you know with with reckless yes i guess it's like chasing it and i think they probably get a little you know, they roll their eyes a little bit sometimes, like, oh, his mom's got another show. And they don't go with me, and they don't jump up and down. But they still encourage me just like I go out and watch the football game. Absolutely. Them because we support each other. I yes. want them to be successful. If my youngest son, wants, he wants to play in college, um, very smart kid, straight A's, all of that. And I just tell him, like, you don't have to play football, but if you do, I'm going to be there cheering for you the whole time. If you want to do something else, if you want to learn how to be a basket weaver, if you want to, you know, be a, I don't care what you do. I'm going to be cheering for you yes. as long as you're in an honest, sincere life and you're, and you're being realistic with yourself and you're living a healthy life. I'm going to Absolutely. support that, whatever it looks like. And that's the way a mama should think. Absolutely. I agree with you. Let's change gears a little bit. I want to chat about the band. Because nothing's possible without a supporting cast, right? Where did the name The Wide-Eyed Devils come from? 
so I have a song called Wide Eyed Devil. Okay. And I kind of gave it to the band after much contemplation because I felt like I, yes, I'm a performer and yes, I write all my music, but because I don't play an instrument, I felt like that it's not fair to disregard or not acknowledge the guys that are behind the scenes that are following my, you know, guidance and instructions and, and styles and all that stuff. And they work hard too. And I felt like that I'm about teamwork and I want everyone to feel valued. And so I, I just thought it would be good to to give them a name, even though um, all my music is still released under Jen Ford. It also delineates when I have like, a performance that's not with the full band when I have an acoustic show. It's just Jen Ford. Yeah. But when it's Jen Ford and the Wine on Devils, that's the live show. That's the big show. That's with all the guys that are that came on board with me in three years ago, almost four years ago, when I said, "Hey, I'm I want to do this." And I have very good musicians, very very good talented yeah. musicians on board with me right now. So, tell the listeners. Who, who the members of the Wide-Eyed Devils are and what they play, what what role they play in the band, if you don't mind sharing that. Chris Dean is my lead guitar player. Um, he's been with me since the very beginning, and he's been one of our best friends for five years. So four years is, is when he started playing with us. He played with another band. Then we have Warren Warsham. He's my bass player, and he also does background vocals. He's been with us a little over three years Currently, we have Billy Rossnake playing drums for us. He's he's kind of new, but he played for Cody Wayne for several years and was up for Drummer of the Year in 2017. Super talented guy. We've been friends for a long time, and we made some changes in our personnel, and he had been eager to play for us for a while. So he's good. And then okay. we've got Danny Davis on keyboard. Okay. I also have uh, auxiliary players, like other guitar players come in. Jared Steele, is, he does acoustic for me sometimes. We create songs together. We travel together a lot when I do acoustic shows. Kirk Harper from Tyler comes in and plays. He, he can play any instrument, and he writes songs, and we perform a lot together. And then Chris Rasco comes and plays for me every now and then. He's Sarah Hobbs' guitar player, uh, Meredith Crawford's guitar player, Kenneth Waters' guitar player. Okay. So he's like a hired gun, but he's we're pretty good friends, and if I get in a a bond and he's free he'll come be a wide-eyed devil awesome so we have wide-eyed devils and then we have extended family right come in right help us out well we'll certainly holler at your boy here if you ever need a good recorder player like i play a mean recorder so just All let right. me know. <laughs> so you currently have an ep out entitled jen ford if my memory serves me correctly i think that was maybe released around the beginning of COVID, like 2019 is, or is my time frame correct there? Yeah. Okay. It it was a re-release because um, I was signed to a different label. It came out in 2018, but when we changed the labels, then we just re-released it. Okay. And was, it got better reviews. Okay. It was a little bit more, I don't know. It was just a a bigger deal. It looked better online. Yes. And that was kind of your freshman effort from an EP perspective, correct? Yes. Okay. Where was that record recorded? That was recorded in Gladewater, Texas with Chad Malden um, at KSIJ Studios. 
he does a lot of different artists in East Texas. And he and I are pretty good friends. He's the one that kind of helped me develop my sound for the first album because I didn't have a band yet. And I wanted to treat the listeners to a clip off of that EP. It's a song called uh, Baby Get Your Boots On. And let's take a listen to that, and then we'll come back and chat. Fair enough? Sounds good. All right. What inspired the song? <laughs> that song? I, I would say, well. You must have been feeling rowdy because you were wanting to get some fireball in that song. So that only means one thing to me, right? Well, you know what? I was given an opportunity to write this album, and I did not expect to be a country artist. I've, I've been a blues and rock artist. And I was like, well, how country can I get and what would I write about? And my husband and I were kind of sitting in the car together and I wear boots all the time. So I don't know. I just started thinking, like, what do you do when you when you go to a a country bar? You're going to put on your boots. You're going to call your your babe and be like, hey, come pick me up. I'm ready to go out. We're going to go have a good time. We're going to go two step and we're going to which I've done all of those things. I just uh, that was that was my big attempt to write like a hard hitting country song yes. that was about having a good time, Absolutely. Which, which is what most of my songs are about is having a good time. Absolutely. Now, do you prefer to write alone or do you prefer to collaborate with, with other people? Like talk to me a little bit about that. So far I've written on my own guys help me out with music, but I usually come in with melody and chord structure and like certain rhythms and stuff like that. Chad Malden will help me do pre-production just to kind of figure out the exact structure of the song. So I'll I'll work it out with the guys, do a rough recording with them, take it to Chad, he'll make sense of it, and then I'll take it back, and then we prepare for recording from that. Would you say that songwriting comes easy for you, or do you struggle as a songwriter, or is it kind of a hybrid of both where you go through periods of time where your, your brain's just clicking on all cylinders and it's just like, wow, it's so easy to write a song these days. And then you go through the, the lyrical airheadedness of, of not being able to come up with anything. I think you kind of have to get in the mind frame to be open to zeroing in on a subject to write about. And if you've got a whole lot going on, which I've had a lot going on in the last year and a half um, since we recorded, I was focusing on bookings and production and releases and all that stuff. And just now, I think I'm starting to feel that itch where I'm ready to sit down. But I'll get ideas and I'll record them immediately, no matter if it's trash or not. I'll record it or I'll write down the lyrics immediately and I'll revisit that if I... You know, whenever I have the time to actually sit down and 
let something blossom. But, okay. So it's, I guess it's a mixture, but once the juices get flowing, then a whole lot comes. Right. And it could happen within two or three days. Yes. Where it's just song, song, song. And I'm, I'm trying to be more systematic about it. And actually, I'm trying to plan a songwriter retreat with some other guys that are vets and musicians in Texas. And we've, we've already kind of played together a couple times. So I'm like, we need to go out into the woods and just do nothing but, right? It. Yeah. Yeah. Like yeah. Get away Good. from everything and write and compare notes and, and talk about writing structure and yes. just figure out a, a path. Because right now, because like I'm grabbing for straws, like, what do I want to write about next? Yeah. Yeah. That, well, that makes perfect sense. Now, you also had, I think it was a single that was released sometime this year called Hot Mess Express, correct? Yes. Now, this is not an autobiographical song, is it? Um, <laughs> kind of. Well, I mean, I am 43 years old. <laughs> uh, this song is, is kind of a nod to my baby sister. She's 10 years younger than me. And right when I was starting to write this song, she was a nurse with a toddler. I think he was an infant at the time. And she would call me and, and be like, oh, my gosh, what do I do? I need help. And I'm like, oh, my gosh, I remember what it's like to have little ones and just need a break and need to go out with your, you know, best girlfriend. Absolutely. Just, you know, yep. get into a little bit of trouble. Absolutely. Let loose. And so that's what that song's about. Well, I want to take a quick listen to the clip, share that with the listeners, and then we'll come back and, and chat about that one as well. Yoga pants, but on your favorite boots. I'll take you out for a spin. Cause girlfriend, we look cute. We're gonna dance with all the cowboys and drink lots of booze. It's just the thing we need to get rid of those work and go blues. Get on the hot mess express. We're gonna have a good time. Let's get out on the dance floor and shake it all night. Don't you worry. That was a single Hot Mess Express that was released this year. Now, was that particular song for you, Jen, was that a quick ride? Or was that one that you had to sit and that ponder on quick. for a while? That was pretty quick. Right. <laughs> I'm real good. At, I, I like to tell stories about shenanigans. There you go. That well, I guess being ex-military, you've, you've probably been around some shenanigans in your days, I would have to imagine. Yeah. Uh, an uneducated uh, guess, but... Yes, even though it's for my sister um, mainly, I have lots of different friends, um, girlfriends that, that I serve with and that were real good sports, and we used to go out together and get in lots of trouble together. And so <laughs> I call all of them and I say, I wrote this song about us, but I wrote about every good <laughs> Everybody that's done what you did, right. Yes. Yeah, yeah. You wrote the anthem for everybody. There you go. Yes. So if you... You said that you probably work best alone, or that's how you've kind of worked in the past lyrically. If you could collaborate with one person, who who do you think it would be? You know what? I, I've never met Courtney Patton, but I follow her, and I think she's an excellent songwriter. I think that Courtney Patton, Bonnie Bishop, Meredith Crawford, these are all people that 
I don't know if you know all of these folks, but they're all Texas artists. Those women I admire immensely in the Texas music scene because they're doing it and they are consistently performing and putting out good music and they have good online presence and business structure and a lot of success. So I kind of want to pick their brain, but I think probably would be interested with Jason Isbell and maybe even Zach Wilkerson. Okay. He's, or even Kevin Galloway. Kevin Galloway is an amazing songwriter. And I've talked to Kevin um, before, but we've never, we, I mean, we've sat down and had a conversation, but we've never written together. But I really love his song, Keep the Wolves Away, Keeping the Wolves Away. What, what was the name of, what was the name Uncle of the, yes, yes, Uncle yes. Yeah. It's a great song. I, I think once I saw them play one time, and this is about six years ago, I, I was like, that right there is a finished product. Their, their whole band was super polished. The show was polished. I watched them probably eight times in that last year, just in admiration of how consistent they were and how they always set the scene mm-hmm. with instantly put you in, in the, the right mood to listen. And it was nothing real big or showy, but it just evoked emotion immediately. And I think... Kevin would probably be one guy that I would love to sit down with sometime. But at the same time, I take a lot of pride in my ability to put words together and tell a story. And I think I write some pretty good lyrics and I'm sort of selfish about that. Like I don't want any help, you know, I'll sing with your stuff. I I sing background vocals on a lot of um, sessions and admire those, those people's songs. But I feel like that if I write with somebody else, it's not going to be my story anymore. So I, <laughs> yes, well, that song that you mentioned, "Keeping the Wolves Away," is a is a powerful song because it's a true story, right? And uh, I, I think those he is or some of those guys are from South Texas, if I'm not mistaken. I don't know really too much the ba- the background on them, but love the song. Have have definitely heard it. And the other one that you mentioned, who is probably one of my I guess from, you know, if you want to get into genres, the Americana genre, Jason Isbell is probably one of the best uh, as far as I'm personally that I'm concerned. I love everything that Jason Isbell and the 400 unit do. They're probably the, the goat, the de facto standard for me when it comes to the Americana genre. Uh, Yeah. Yes. Yes. So a working man, blue collar. And even though, I'm a woman. I feel like I lived that blue collar life, and as, as a soldier, and I, my parents, my dad was a blue collar man. So there's a lot of those stories that he's telling, and I can actually visualize what it's like to live in chasing, chasing work to just feed your family. I mean, it's hard work, physical work. Yep. My dad has been handicapped since I was 13, and so that song with Kevin Galloway really rings True. like a bell with me yeah. that I, I've experienced what it's like to watch somebody deteriorate that yeah. you idolize and that put himself before everybody else. And my dad's still alive, but he's just not the same yeah. as he was before he got injured. I love that song. Was his thing, in it, and I don't want to go again down a rabbit hole, was his military related or was his work related? Uh, he did. He did get in a shipwreck 
in the late 70s, but that's not what where he got injured. He got injured when I was about 12 or 13 years old, okay. working out coal mines in, okay. in East. But he worked uh, for Phillips and in, in the refineries and all that stuff in the Gulf uh, when I was a little girl. And so there were some times where we would get phone calls and there, there had been an accident at work or whatever that he wasn't in. But I feel like that all of that stuff was kind of coinciding with our timeline. Correct. Well. Yep. Yep. Now, are there any plans from your camp for a new single or maybe even an LP or EP coming up with like, what's we what got can, music. Okay, cool. Okay. So I record with blue Louie, who's a Texas blues artist. Those songs are going to come out in the next couple of weeks. I'm just doing background vocals on that, but I do, I do perform with him often, but I have a song, two songs that are already ready to go that I'm kind of waiting to see what my plan is for 2022 if I want to include them on a whole new compilation or if I'm just going to release them as singles and one of them is a cover song and one of them is a song about my experience with PTSD so both of them are very powerful and they do not sound like anything else we've released okay that's awesome that's uh, exciting news where would you tell the listeners to find you on social media? I think everything is Jen Ford for Facebook and Instagram is, I think it's at Jen Ford Music. And that's J-E-N-N for the listeners with two N's. And then I have a TikTok that I'm not very good at, but it's Jen Ford Texas. And I think my Instagram is Jen Ford Music as well, but I don't do a whole, I mean, not Instagram, my my uh, Twitter, but I don't really do a lot on Twitter. Yeah. My, mostly everything, if you put J-E-N-N Ford, you're going to find me. Okay. It's easy to find on, on Spotify, iTunes, Apple Music, Google, Amazon, everywhere you can stream music, it's all Jen Ford. And I know that websites are kind of archaic, but I, I will I will plug you on uh, having a website called genford.com. If you guys want to uh, meander out to genford.com, you can find tour information there. There's also a, a merch section of the website. So, you know, make sure you go out there and, and purchase up a bunch of Gen Ford stuff. Jen, I wanted to thank you so much for joining me on the show today. It's It's been a, a pleasure to finally catch up with you and, and hear your story. So thank you for that. I know you've got a lot of things going on, so you're, you're, I certainly respect your time. Um, I ask the listeners to like, share, and subscribe to the podcast. Also, don't forget to follow Jen on all of her social media platforms. Also, make sure to check out Jen's schedule at jen4.com and Facebook and Instagram as well. Also be on the lookout for upcoming shows in your neck of the woods. I also want to remind everybody that you can find the show on Facebook at Backstage Pass Radio Podcast, on Instagram at Backstage Pass Radio, Twitter at Backstage Pass PC, and on the website at BackstagePassRadio.com. You guys stay safe and healthy, and we'll see you right back here on the next episode of Backstage Pass Radio. Thanks so much for joining us. We hope you enjoyed today's episode of Backstage Pass Radio. Make sure to follow Randy on Facebook and Instagram at Randy Halsey Music and on Twitter at R Halsey Music. 
Also make sure to like, subscribe, and turn on alerts for upcoming podcasts. If you enjoyed the podcast, make sure to share the link with a friend and tell them Backstage Pass Radio is the best show on the web for everything music. We'll see you next time right here on Backstage Pass Radio.